Mother and father sent you to spy on me, didn't they? I'm not above breaking a few fingers. The fact that they thought I wouldn't find out just proves how much they underestimate me. Oh, thing, you poor, naive appendage. My parents aren't worried about me. They're evil puppeteers who want to pull my strings even from afar. I know you're gonna have to do almost everything alone up here. But you know I'll be with you. Apollo was like my son. I raised him. And when he died, part of me died. But now, you're the one. You're the one that's gonna keep his spirit alive. You're the one that's gonna make sure that he didn't die for nothing. Now you're gonna have to go through hell. Worse than any nightmare that you ever dreamed. But in the end, I know you'll be the one standing. <laughs> Re-re-reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhood Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Welcome to Ruined Childhoods, where we dive into the world of movies and franchises, exploring endless possibilities of sequels, prequels, remakes, reboots, etc. My name's Dan, and my co-host is my brother, John. Hey. How's it going, John? It's going pretty good. We are recording this on a, uh, this cluster in, in Portland where we're having extreme heat, so uh, we are recording in the morning, and I'm out in my shed, and uh, we'll see how quickly I start to boil. I'm also drinking hot coffee, but I feel like that's better, right? To drink a hot beverage when it's hot. Well, you're theoretically matching, uh, do, trying to match the external temperature with the internal sure. temperature, I think, yeah. is the way to go. I know con- that's, I believe that's conventional science, even though, you know, our... Are we're trained good to drink to a think, cool glass of water? It does. It always feels good to drink a cool. Or actually, you know what? I gotta say, I'm into room temperature water. Oh, controversy, and this isn't just like a sensitive teeth thing. But I have to say, I feel like I can drink more water when it's not ice cold. That said, on a on a sweaty schwitzy day the ice cold water is great because it also doubles as a little ice pack you put it on your forehead but this is not a podcast about temperature and our existence in heat this is a but stay hydrated but stay hydrated uh no this this is a, a really fun uh exploration that we're doing in these episodes uh on the last episode we looked back at our past episodes, our last episode is episode 200, so we looked back at a couple episodes that we did where uh, we kind of theorized ways that something could be brought back, and then they created an, a new movie in the franchise. They were Bill and Ted and the Indiana Jones franchises, and it was really fun to listen back to hear exactly what we were thinking might happen or could happen or should happen, and then to see what actually did happen. And we're doing the same thing today with our episodes from the Adams family and specifically Rocky Four. And what I find really interesting about uh at least what we've the ones that we've done so far and actually Adams family fits into this we always seem to have been recording these episodes 
just on the cusp of an announcement of a new project. That's true. Well, for Adam's family, we we were aware that something was happening. Well, I think the Adams, I think in this case, the animated Adams family was maybe a trailer had already been released. At that so point. I'm sure in our we'll episode. So, OK, yeah. in our episode about uh, the movie The Crow, which is really strange because I just got a, a notification on my on my screen from Esquire about uh, Enter the Dragon. So there's some Bruce Lee, Brandon Lee stuff going on because an episode from The Crow, uh, the trailer for the Adams Family animated movie uh, that was released, I think it was Illumination, that came out, and you were commenting. I didn't pull the clip because it was it didn't seem like yeah. it was worth it, but you were commenting it was in the Crow episode. Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, I listened to it. I went back and I listened to yeah. see if I should pull it. But uh, we were just talking about how in the trailer for the new Adams Family movie that came out in 2020, 2021, there was a... Uh, a reference to the fact that it took place in New Jersey. And we were commenting about how uh, Charles Adams, the creator of the Adams family is from uh, our neighboring town. When, when we were growing up Westfield, New Jersey, and uh, that was kind of the big, like, you know, Oh, are they going to be true to Westfield? But uh, you know, they, they certainly did it because Charles Adams was from New Jersey, but Although it's it's actually really interesting, the depiction of the town that they live in, it could apply to many suburban towns in many cities. Oh, but small town USA. But also like which the idea and I don't know if you have a, a synopsis of the the 20, I think 2019 animated um, oh, Adams Family was it twenty? The article I'm looking at here is 2019, and it is it's just kind of a background. Yeah, article, 2019. So. so they don't know if there's a planned synopsis, but even if there is, um, I'm just pulling I'll, stuff from the internet. So let me. I'll just read it here. Members of the mysterious yeah. and spooky Adams family, Gomez, Morticia, Pugsley, Wednesday, Uncle Fester, and Grandma are readily preparing for a visit. Uh, from their even creepier relatives. But trouble soon arises when shady TV personality Margot Needler realizes that the Adams eerie hilltop mansion is standing in the way of her dream to sell all the houses in the neighborhood. Yeah, and and the whole like development that she works for and this the town is is called it's gonna be known as the town of assimilation. And right, right, it's right. Very, yeah. It, it, oh, it's very, I mean, you know, not subtle at all. And um, oh, it's Allison Janney as uh, as Margot Needler. It was fun. Yeah, it was. Yes, exactly. It, exactly. It was fun. So here's my take on the 2019 Adams Family is that yeah. the animation and a lot of the writing and the score, it made it feel like. I don't know, a really low budget television, like computer generated animated television show. Uh, the backgrounds all seem to be very static. There wasn't a lot of depth to it. It was like everything was in focus. Like even if something was right. supposed to be like a mile away, you could see it perfectly clear. And the, yeah, yeah, there's just something that was too crispy about it. I loved the look of the you know character design and everything because it's taken from the original comic strips. Uh, and it's certainly given the illumination uh, 
you know, minionsy, despicable me look. Although what's what's funny is it actually it was not an illumination production. Oh, really? I thought that it was it looks originally like supposed to be. The style is definitely like whoever the directors are Conrad Vernon and Greg Tiernan. Yeah, production companies, MGM Cinecite, um, Braun Studios. So, oh, Braun Studios. Yes. I'm wondering if and like people who worked on this were people who had worked on entirely films possible with illumination. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there was just absolutely. something about it that seemed like it was, you know, f- especially for the cast that it had. It seemed like they cut corners in other places in order to have such a fantastic cast. I mean, it's funny. It's kind of you know questionable when you're making an animated. Uh, when you're making an animated film though i think in this case like i I think the margot character was the only one where i was really sitting there like kind of you know itching to to look and see like who is that who's whose voice is that but you know also like i knew going in i was like yeah it's charlize theron oscar isaac yeah, uh, Finn Wolfhard, Chloe, Gla- mm. Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, it's got Nick a, Kroll. Nick Kroll. Yeah, it's got a stacked cast. So they do the classic. It's it's the more classic Fester because I feel like there's the Christopher Lloyd Fester. Uh-huh. But I think even and and we'll go into Wednesday shortly. Yeah. But um, you know, Fred Armisen also seems to do the more traditional, like squeaky voice. Fester. I really like Fred Armisen. It's all the same character. Well, why don't we take a listen back to uh, our impressions from kind of hearing a little bit more about the 2019 Adams Family. So this is from our episode Let's. from uh, March 12th of 2019, where we kind of go a little bit deeper into it. Yeah. So now bringing it up to this year, we are going to have a reboot, an animated film with uh, Oscar Isaac, Charlize Theron, Chloe Grace Moretz, Finn Wolfhard, and, uh, Nick Kroll as Fester, Bette Midler as Grandmama, Allison Janney, and Elsie Fisher from mm-hmm. eighth grade. What a cast. Yeah. And if you look at the artwork, I mean, just from like the poster, you can see it looks a lot like the early, like the original drawings. Yeah. Um, I, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about it too. I mean, what a cast. Honestly, that is a great cast. And most of that cast, especially I would say Oscar Isaac and Charlize Theron, if you were going to do a live action, which I I think the animation and I think the style of animation is 100% the way to go, I can picture Oscar Isaac. So even knowing mm-hmm. that it's Oscar Isaac doing the voice, I could see him as Gomez. I feel like because this property has such a rich history, mm-hmm. It can't ruin a childhood. No. Because if somebody's like, oh, the Adams family, no, my childhood is ruined. It's like the Adams family is a movie version of a TV show. Like it is a remake. Like when you say reboot, it really is. It's just, it's taking the property and giving it a new life and breathing new life into it and saying, you know, okay, and now it's time for this generation and we're going to give, you know, for for us, it was Raul Julia and Angelica Houston, and they were amazing. Mm-hmm. And they were so amazing that the only way with that, even in not so recent memory, going back to 1991 and 1993, 
they still like that's the legacy. So yeah. taking it in this direction is a great way to add to that legacy. I think so too. All right, so we just repeated ourselves from uh, you know four years ago, but whatever, four and a half years ago. Yeah, it's so funny to hear that we were both so excited about it. But Dan, when was the first time that you saw the Adams Family animated film? Two days ago. Same here. <laughs> yeah, not twenty nineteen or twenty or twenty one. Yeah, or and 22. I and I did kind of a back to back of uh, the second one as well. Ah, okay. Did you I watch did that not one? Watch. Okay, I did not. Here's here's a synopsis that I just pulled off the internet. Uh, Gomez and Morticia are concerned that their children, Wednesday and Pugsley, are growing up and avoiding family dinners. To reclaim their bond, they decide to take the family on a road trip in the camper van. The family visits places like the Grand Canyon and Death Valley. During the trip, Wednesday uses her pet squid's DNA on Uncle Fester to show how humans can be improved. She also catches the attention of a rich scientist engineer at a science fair. The family's trip is complicated by a lawyer who is chasing Wednesday for a DNA test. Uh, That synopsis actually is... Not correct. So the movie starts at the science fair, the school science fair, and Wednesday uh, is showing that by taking uh, a specimen from her pet octopus and putting it into Uncle Fester, it's able to, it gives him the ability to improve his intelligence, I guess, uh, in order to like solve a Rubik's Cube. And it, it, this comes to the attention of this scientist, Dr. Strange, I think is what his name is, voiced by uh, Bill Hader. And Stephen, but with a PH. Yeah. Stephen Strange. And so the scientist we are led to believe is almost certain that Wednesday is his biological daughter and that there was a mix up at the hospital. And so uh, Wednesday, who's also feeling, you know, disassociated from the Adams family uh, and doesn't feel like she quite fits in as they embark on this road trip. To, to kind of bring the family closer together, complications arise and Wednesday distances herself even further. Uh, Finn Wolfhard isn't Pugsley in this one. Instead, it's, and I'm blanking on his name, but he's in uh, Euphoria. Oh, wow. Okay. But I it's a very the... small role. So it kind of like, it's kind of like, eh, whatever. I'll do respect. Oh, Javon Walton. Okay. Who plays Ash in, uh, in Euphoria. Yeah. Finn Wolfhard, I mean, and Pugsley had a bigger role in the first one. Mm-hmm. Which I thought because oh, yeah, it was about yeah, his I mean, kind that, of like coming of age ceremony. Yeah, that was the central plot. No, well, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, the MacGuffin. You know, it's what was bring, the MacGuffin. It was, bring, yeah. it was bringing yeah. the the oh, whole family together. The, right. Yes, that was the MacGuffin. Thank you. I couldn't think of the name, and I kept thinking of McGruff, but I was like, no, that's the crime dog. Right. McGruff the crime dog. Google it. I don't think he's still around. I think the Adams family has achieved something that uh it's kind of rarefied air for a franchise where it's the it's really the characters that are important. I think and I think for a property that really that is a 20th century you know, property, you know, been around for a hundred years uh, in terms of like when the comics started, right. you know, since the, the 1964 uh, as a as a TV series. It's one of those shows where it's like, yeah, it's, it's immune to those cast changes. The TV series was iconic. And I would say John Astin was an amazing Gomez. But even then, like there was a lot of time between the, sh- the series and 
the film. And sure. but I think at this point it's like kind of years. like it doesn't even matter. It's even, I think, immune to like, okay, so Fester can be played, you know, not with the high squeaky voice. And yeah. as long as you nail the the aspects of the character, yeah, that macabre fun of it, which Christopher Lloyd nails. Yeah, and Christopher Lloyd also plays the role with a little bit more intelligence than it's portrayed in the animated film. Uh, yeah. Even though, I, I guess uh, you could say that more about Adam's family values, because in Adam's family, he spends most of the time still being brainwashed. But right. he still has like a very full life of his own, which we also get in the Wednesday series. We see yes. that, you know... He's, you know, wanted everywhere for being like some psycho killer, you know, that's like which that they yeah. they they have a nod to that in the animated, not for being a psycho killer, but right. he's like, I can't go to this country. I can't yeah. go to this one. I can go to this one, but only on weekends and yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought that Fred Armisen as uh Uncle Fester is really great. I really did appreciate that in Wednesday. Uh, the twenty nine, the twenty twenty two Netflix series yes. that they did a lot more casting that's authentic to the ideal nationalities of the the characters and their origins. You know, you have Luis Guzman playing Gomez, and then you know clearly you know Fred Armisen who's you know half Venezuelan. So to to at least have those roots, and you know Oscar Isaac. Being Gomez also kind of brings us there, but it in a more full way, especially because of the live act, it's live action. You're seeing the people, you're kind of seeing the way that they interplay with each other. And uh, Jenna Ortega, yeah. Mexican and Puerto Rican ancestry. So it totally tracks. I feel like with Morticia, it's less specific. Right. And I mean, Raul Julia, you know, they, oh, yeah, they're honoring those traditions. Yeah. Yeah. Catherine Zeta Jones, uh, you know, she was. I mean, fine. Is, she's Welsh. Yeah, I feel like I remember that being a thing when she was in um, Zorro. When she was in Zorro, but I guess then that. I, I guess the continuity of Anthony Hopkins also being Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, just a, just a quick. Yeah, just a quick little synopsis that I, I pulled off the internet. While attending Nevermore Academy, Wednesday navigates new relationships and attempts to stop a killing spree that has terrorized the local town. She also tries to solve the supernatural mystery that involved her parents 25 years ago. And I uh, I really liked this series. I, everybody seemed to really like this series. It yeah. definitely uh, you know took these characters that we know and love and it brought it a new life and it made it feel very current. And it kind of had a, it was like Riverdale, you know, teen wolf kind of a thing where it's like, it's for teens and people in their like maybe early twenties. That's kind of like the target audience is kind of capturing this, you know, in like the prep school, like Harry Potter-ish type of scene. Right, right. Where well, people and, have weird things that, weird qualities to them, Miss Dark secrets school, and like yeah. things their parents did. Um, it, well, and, and actually Riverdale's an interesting example because it is adapted from a, uh, you know, comic sure. series. Plus that and, one also does have a Teenage Witch. Does, and, does Riverdale cover the Sabrina the Teenage Witch situation? I never watched it. Does, no, neither do I, but are, are you saying that there's crossover? Well, Sabrina is oh, part of the Riverdale 
Oh, is she part know, of the is Archie, that part of the universe? Oh, the that's the, the the Sabrina, um, the the Kiernan Shipka Sabrina. Oh, I don't know if the the shows themselves cross over, but the character is from the Archieverse. Oh, so I wasn't sure, but anyway, I have no idea. Yeah. Anyway, but no, that's a good. That's also a good point to bring up that there's, there was the Kiernan Shipka Sabrina, which. I feel like that character became more beloved when there was the like Melissa Joan Hart series that was just like a cheeky comedy. Less so she had from the kooky the aunties. Oh, Caroline Ray, who doesn't love her? Yes. And what also Wednesday did that was so smart was uh, uh, bringing in Christina Ricci. Yeah. And another cast member, another like way that the 91, 93 movies really cast a large, uh, you know, a really large yeah. shadow, a looming shadow, well, if you will. Well, that I think is a good opportunity for us to talk about what we were thinking, what we had in mind for A New Life for the Addams Family uh, back in 2019 in March when we were uh, recording our Adams family episode. And uh, we're going to start off with, with mine, if you don't mind. I don't. One idea is to, um, to have a, a sequel, like an official sequel, not like a Daryl Hannah, Tim Curry sequel, but an actual sequel with adult Wednesday, Christina Ricci. Okay. Maybe just following her. Maybe she's not with the family anymore because, well, for obvious obvious reasons, she can't be with Gomez. I mean, certainly Angelica Houston can reprise her role, but like maybe she's just like gone off and she's started her own Adams family, or she's I don't know making Girl Scout cookies. She's a designer. <laughs> she could be. What if she, she like? Could be. All of like all of a sudden, what if we follow Wednesday through? All of a sudden, goth becomes really big, and someone sees Wednesday, and yeah, I don't know. My, uh, it's the devil. She becomes. I, it's, it's like the devil wears Prada. The the yeah right. Um, ooh, that'd be interesting. I like that. My other thought would be to do a prequel, and this would be Fester and Gomez at Camp Custer. Yeah, a Fester and Fester and Gomez the early years type yeah. prequel. Yeah, I think that could be fun. I think that I mean that could be fun as a movie. That could be fun as as a series or or a podcast. I don't know. Why not <laughs> featuring it's this two pod- of us? Yeah, I don't know. Fester and Gomez talk. Well, you know, uh, too bad you don't have your mustache. I, I've bald. So. It's a it's an it's an audio format. It's fine. Yeah. So yeah, picking up with Wednesday. Was I mean a pretty a solid call. move, and uh, I although I still believe that a Christina Ricci led you know adult Wednesday series would be fun. I'm glad that they just went back and did it. You know, it, I guess Wednesday at that age that Jenna Ortega was portraying in the series is a little bit older than I think we see her in any of the other adaptations. It feels feel, really I, good, and it it makes a lot of sense, and it felt really true to the characters. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love that uh, you know Thing is is there, and yeah, she and Thing are buddies. Thing, by the way, that's one of the things that like they've always done well. Although in the animated one, I didn't really love how it has like a watch with an eye on it. I kind of love the mis- the mystique of just like 
How does it know what's going on? And, you know, that kind of addresses one of the notes that I had about the animated version, especially comparing it to a live action, because it's, okay, why would you remake it animated? And for every reason I could think of, I was like, yeah, but Barry Sonnenfeld did that in the movies, too. Uh-huh. And it looked good. It looked like, good. All the thi- like, like, okay, yeah. Their animation can, of course, push everything a little bit farther. You know, you can juggle more swords. You can straddle between the jaws, open jaws of a crocodile. But I got to say, like, nine out of ten. Anything I was like, yeah, well, I guess in the anime version, you could do that. Oh, but Barry Sonnenfeld did that like great. And Thing yeah. is a great example. Of right. Both both Barry Sonnenfeld and now Tim Burton, who people yes. frequently, you know, people who, who are not, you know, um, as cinematically educated as you and I, a.k.a. not movie nerds. Or probably most of our listeners. Would think that Tim Burton, or just kind of associate Tim Burton with Adam's family, yeah. when in fact- He doesn't no, that, own the macabre. No, no, that was Barry Sonnenfeld doing I mean, Danny Elfman didn't even do the music. Nope. Barry Sonnenfeld really did it brilliantly. And I think that for Tim Burton, I felt like Wednesday was, I don't want to like call it a return to form, but- I knew you were going to say that, though. Yeah, but it's like, it's not really, because it's still like, it's the, there's the mature Tim Burton in it, but a lot of the, it's like pared down and it's a lot, you know what it was closer to for me was like 1989 Batman Tim Burton. Sure. Yeah. I think that the the way that this is a return for Tim Burton is just because I think for a lot of us in the generation that grew up with Tim Burton movies, once he kind of veered off of the path and started doing, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Alice in Wonderland and all and just became property of Disney. Now this is like, oh, this is something for us to watch again, because also it connects to the Barry Sonnenfeld, Adam's family, which we have so much love and nostalgia for. And then Tim Burton shepherding it in is kind of like, okay, we're back together again for a little bit. It's a lovely intertwining of nostalgia. And and I have to say also, like, I appreciate that, that I feel like that, uh, you know, has kind of come out through, through Wednesday and sadly through a lot of the, you know, um, tributes to, to Pee Wee, but just a lot more, you know, uh, I'm sure Pee Wee's big adventure has been uh, getting a lot more views in the last uh, a couple of weeks, and and I'm so glad oh, yeah. and so excited for people discovering it the first time. Sorry for the reason, but yeah, yeah. back to to Adam's family. Yeah, to... should we listen to what you had in mind? Oh, what did I have in mind? I think a prequel makes sense because it's not it's not a story that's been told before. And you could do that. And we know Morticia didn't meet Gomez until later on. So mm-hmm. you can you can build up and, you, the, you know, the misadventures of the Adams boys. You could meet their parents or depending on which way you go, Grandmama. Sure. Or no, I guess it, you have to keep it with Fester as Gomez's brother. So Yeah. Another thing to consider is... So we know in the 91 Adams Family movie that Fester has disappeared after a fight with Gomez mm-hmm. uh, 
about the Siamese twins, Flora and Fauna. Flora and Fauna, yeah. So bring Flora and Fauna back. Maybe that's (laughs) the conflict that happens and things end in an ambiguous way. Perhaps you even have Fester's adventures in the Bermuda Triangle. So a Fester spinoff. So so I think so spinoffs, some prequel, a a prequel. And what about Morticia? Get a a story about Morticia. So I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think a prequel would be really, would be fun. A Fester and Gomez prequel would be fun. I think a Wednesday, (laughs) I'm almost seeing it as like an HBO, like, in the format of, of like like an HBO series. Almost. Yeah. But it's just about Wednesday Adams and her adult life and how she's maybe she's a uh a famous fight choreographer. You know, the the scene in uh Adams Family where uh she and Pugsley are uh doing the school talent show. That's amazing. I love that. It is amazing. so much blood. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, <laughs> I'm interested. I really couldn't think of anything new. I really couldn't think of any n- new ideas. This, but I'm in this Wednesday Adams as an adult <laughs> idea. It would be it would be an interesting way to go. Christina Ricci has always been great. Uh, I feel like she's kind of been in the shadows for a while. She had that one TV series. I forget. It was on some cable network it's something oh. with the z i don't know i remember a film from i think it was 98 called the opposite of sex that she was in yeah. and i remember it was a big because it was like she was definitely not playing like a, well she was in black oh, snake black, moan oh right black snake moan oh she was in speed racer I forgot she was Z, in Speed Racer. Z, the beginning of everything, is the show where she was Zelda oh, Fitzgerald. Oh, yeah. right. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, but she's great. I've always enjoyed Christina Ricci. and She was I, on the show Pan Am briefly. Oh, right. Yeah. And yeah. she was in that movie Penelope, which I've never seen, but I've, I've heard is really great. She's just around, but I feel like Wednesday Addams might be her most iconic role. And if why not just kind of lean into it? Return. If, if she would be willing to come back to it, then yeah, I would. I would certainly welcome that. Although watching her in the MC Hammer music video for Adam's Groove, she looks so much like she doesn't want to be there. All right, Who so we'll, we'll put that in the contract. Like, no more <laughs> Hammer videos. No more Hammer videos. Like, um, I think we can make good on that. It's great to revisit this because now we get to talk about like yellow jackets and yes. her role in Wednesday. And maybe Hammer will get brought in for season two. And maybe Hammer, we don't know. Who is today's Hammer MC also, Hammer? Hammer and his pants also cast a large shadow. You know, we we talked about him series. we talked about him on the last episode a little bit, but maybe Kid Cuddy can be the new Hammer. Oh, they do what they want to do, say what they want to say, dance how they want to dance, play how they want to play. I'm pretty sure I I did it on the original episode. You did. Uh, Because I I also feel like Kid Cudi is really funny and gets gets humor and like is into being part of these things. You know, he's in Bill and Ted Face the Music, uh, was in the movie X with Jenna Ortega. Okay. So there's I another mean, connection. I don't, why can we not get, ha- he's still alive, right? Hammer? Yeah, but nobody wants him. I do. You want Hammer? All right. 
Yeah, it's like, let's, it, I think it's time for it to be hammer time once again. Well, my one note for hammer is don't hurt him. Wasn't that his thing? Hey, hammer, don't yeah. hurt him. Yeah. Well, please, that was his album. Please, yeah. please hammer, don't hurt him. I had the album for sure. You um, definitely had the I album. I definitely had the album because the that's who I was. Uh, okay. When I first started to be able to buy my own cassette tapes, uh, do you remember the first cassette tape you ever bought with your own money? No, I'm trying to, I remember like a lot of the, cause I got into cassette. I like was started listening to cassettes like before I had my own money. Oh no, no, no. Like, yeah. I had, yeah. I had cassettes before I had my own money, but I remember the first cassette I actually purchased with my own money. You was it Please that? Hammer, Don't Hurt Him? No, it was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 soundtrack. Oh, dude, John, I was going to I was going to bring that up. I was going to say, didn't you also have the Turtles 2 soundtrack though I did not realize it was the first. Oh, okay. All right. That was the first I like tape that. I ever bought. Uh around the same time would have had to have been the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. Uh, because I was going through a huge Bobby Brown phase at the time, which may have come about because of Ghostbusters 2. Now that Ghostbusters I think about it. 2 soundtrack was would have been a couple of years earlier. Uh, I mean, I bought it. It was too. on the yes. shelves. It's not like I had just freshly seen the movie. No, but, I, 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 yeah, I, I, you had. I'm pretty sure you had the like the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack like when it was did. current, or maybe that oh. was, or maybe that was given, maybe that was gifted to me. It might have been, yeah, but I, also. I don't, I would say that all the other tapes that I bought around that time were probably Weird Al. Like among Who my Kid Cudi replaced on uh, Comedy Bang Bang the series. Oh, okay. Among my first cassettes, and these were bought for me. I did not yeah. buy these with my own money. Born in the USA. Okay. Raising Hell, Run DMC. Wow. Okay. I know, right? And Happy fiftieth like, to hip hop, by the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was like what, definitely one of my. It was in that batch of like the first cassettes. Um, I'm pretty sure that there was a, a like a monkeys greatest hits compilation okay. that had that was then this is like the monkeys then and now or like that was then this is now it was like during their comeback when like Nickelodeon was showing reruns of which the, is funny of the because the this is now refers to a time that's longer ago from now than that now would have been from when then is <laughs> for the cassette. <laughs> Yes, I understand exactly what you mean by what you're saying. <laughs> what I said the, actually tracks with the words yes. that I said work. Yes. Okay. Yes, those were in there. I remember I had the La Bamba soundtrack yeah, and the Little Shop of Horror soundtrack. But again, I did not buy those with my own money. I'm trying to think of like what I would have I just, per yeah, purchased I, like like maybe the batman soundtrack i'm like what i'll tell I you some more i'll tell you some more information i bought the first tape at browsers in our okay. hometown of cranford new jersey nice i mean i'm i might have bought my first tape at off the record or but like there was also so many other places you know it could have been at sam goody off the record was a great name for a music store browsers oh, is a really bad name for a store Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's like uh, a library, you know, or, or something where, I don't know, you, purchasing, purchasing isn't part of the equation, really. The business is not reliant on 
customers purchasing things, <laughs> which is that's I don't that's yeah. rare. Well, Dan, I, I feel like, you know, we're 40 minutes in. We should move on to uh, our discussion about Rocky Four. Oh, boy. This yes. episode that we did on Rocky Four was released on May 21st, 2019 in a series that we were doing as a play on the phrase, may the fourth be with you. Because it was May, and we were doing the fourth, iter- the fourth installation of a franchise, and but nothing to do with Star Wars. Nothing by to the do way. with Star Wars. We didn't do Episode Four, A New Hope, or The Phantom Menace, depending on what rules you're playing. So Rocky Four, we thought, of course, we got to do Rocky Four. Yeah, and little did we, and and what we talked about on that episode was mostly about the movie Creed Two which is kind of a spiritual sequel to, or as we call it, I think a legacy sequel to specifically <laughs> yeah. Rocky Four because it had to do with Ivan Drago's son and the return of Drago and all that. It really picks up the threads of Rocky Four. Also, yeah. like with Apollo's son feeling some need for, uh, for vengeance. Yeah. But little did we know that Sylvester Stallone was going to do, to release... Limited theatrically, but release a director's cut of Rocky IV called Rocky IV, Rocky vs. Drago. So it is, in essence, a a new movie. I mean, it came out, it was released. It's kind of fascinating that that happened that way. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and this might have, uh, I don't know if this is one of those, like, well, because of COVID, like, Stallone had the time to you know, go back and tinker with Rocky four. I don't know if it's that or if like, you know, it, there's probably been a lot of things that, that he was, that, that he had in, in mind. But um, I guess, first of all, d- uh, did you get a chance to, to watch Rocky? I watched Dragon? it this morning. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. I watched it this morning. Uh, and this just came out. When did this come out? Was it just a few months ago? No, no, a couple 20, of years ago, 2021, maybe I'm seeing articles yeah. that, you know, some of them are, are more recent than others. So uh, it's pretty fascinating to see the things that were added and upsetting to see which elements were taken away, specifically Polly's robot. Yeah, I, it was. So this is really, uh, it, you know, it's funny because so many different director's cuts that we've talked about it before don't really change that much maybe there's more violent you know uh, bloody bloodier violence sexier sex what do you what yeah unless you could consider the superman 2 donner cut to be it's not a director's it's a it's a director's cut but it's not the director on records cut right yeah it, it i'm actually listening to uh the new action boys episode is about the Donner cut. So, oh, is it? Okay. Mind. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll have to check that out because I, I have seen the, the, the Donner cut. Yeah. But yeah, the, this director's anyway. cut, I think it's like 40 minutes of, of unused footage. And well, it's yeah. like he, so the, the movie, you know, clocks in, you know, at around 90 minutes. And Stallone took out almost half of that. And replaced it with unused unused footage. You know, I don't think anything really, you know, anything new. There's not like a de-aged. The only thing that I was wondering about is during the fight with Drago, 
And maybe I'm just misremembering Rocky Four, though I did watch it a few days ago. There's a moment in the new director's cut where he's kind of like against the ropes, about to like maybe get up or not. And we hear Rocky's inner monologue. Yes. That's new, right? That's new. But okay, I'm so glad you brought it up. Because I was wondering, I was like, is that his like 2021 voice? Or is that something that was not used from then? I was trying to figure it out. Oh, I mean, it definitely, it was not in the original Correct, yeah, but yeah. But I don't know if it was something that he had originally recorded. I don't know if that's a good question is whether that was recorded. It does sound like his 1985 It does, unless it was like, you know, modulated to sound younger or something. I mean, look, it's with the technology available, frighteningly enough. Well, maybe not necessarily at the time that that but they could have they could have well no i'm saying the technology available in 2020 or 2021 to create a deep fake of of stallone's night circa 1985 voice yeah saying a scripted monologue oh absolutely also also who doesn't have a stallone impression that's spot on well (laughs) it's one of the one of the easier people to do an impression it could have been will sasso for all we know it could have been literally anybody everybody has a stallone yeah, 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 exactly. I, I, you could have done it. No, hey, hey, Rock, you got you got to get up. You know, you got to fight. You can't stop. You can't let. You got the eye of the tiger. the The beginning of the film is a little bit different. The way it kind of goes into a little bit more of the Clubber Lang, like oh. before the Clubber Lang fight. It's a lot of Rocky. You know what this? You know what he did essentially. So, like the 1985 cut of Rocky Four is awesome as a time capsule of american yes. prop like cold war propaganda and its american can do attitude and i feel like stallone stripped he didn't take out a lot of that cold because apollo especially in the rica yeah. it's kind of like whereas in the 1985 cut the movie acted like, okay, this movie could win the Cold War for the United States. It, like opening with the gloves smashing together. Right, yeah. Gone in the director's cut. Yeah. Um, Which I did miss. You did or you didn't? I did. I did. I did yeah. as well. But I miss it. So as I, as I watched more of the movie and I was like, okay, this is the type of stuff they took out. This is the stuff that they focused more on. I was like, okay, so he... Edited it to be much more of a character story than a rah-rah hero inner demons montage. If I could change, yeah, you could change everybody. Yeah. And I appreciate it for that. I feel like these movies and I I don't know if I've ever felt this about director's cut, but like these movies can live independently of each other. I True. think similar it's similar like the um, okay, so the Amadeus director's cut is basically just like the R rated like an hour longer an version hour longer, really so <laughs> like if I'm going to show Amadeus to a younger person I would show the the theatrical cut but anyway but Rocky 4 I feel like it really it's an interesting exercise in looking at these movies almost independently of each other cuz the movie itself 
felt like propaganda. Whereas in this, it's almost like the propaganda is looked at as the sideshow and how, and it, this, uh, the recut was so much more about motivation and why do we fight? Why, like, okay, so in the original Rocky, He's he's fighting because that's all he's got. Like, that's basically what he can do. Like, his job is as a mob enforcer. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, the fight and he's fighting to get uh, to rise above that. But it's like this is the only skill he has. Yeah. So he's doing that. And like I feel like two and three are proving two is like I came this close last time. I can I can win three. I'm the champ. Right. Oh, well, yeah, I'm the champ. What, what I like and what I like about three is the setup that all of his defenses have been shams yeah. and against contenders that they knew he could beat because Mickey right. is like, yo, you got lucky. And uh, if you come up against somebody who can actually fight and isn't just good at like letting the other person tire themselves out, yeah, you're screwed. And then in comes Clubber Lang. So three was about that, like Rocky kind of finding that also finding a friend in Apollo. Right. And, as, you know, it's like as he's and as he points out in four, Apollo believed in him. Apollo gave him opportunity when nobody else would and even though apollo was basically just setting him up to be an exhibition sure and also like hey this will be fun people will people will eat this up yeah right and then not realizing like this is somebody who actually has the drive in them to to be something yeah so it's like so it also makes sense in terms of motivation like why rocky wouldn't stop apollo from getting in the ring with drago yeah why he doesn't throw in the towel even when he knows he should. Yeah. But there's there's also the motivation of like, why is Apollo taking this fight? Watching it again, I thought of something that I don't think I had ever thought of before. During the James Brown number, when Apollo comes out and I was like, this is a great example that Apollo's motivation is not winning the fight. Apollo's motivation is getting getting the spotlight. I did not intend to rhyme. Um, <laughs> but that's and they talk about it's talked about more in the director's cut. Yeah. You know, Adrian talks talks about it. There's more of Adrian talking about it. Sure. Yeah. But as I'm watching him and I'm like, this is an older man. I'm not sure how old Apollo is supposed to be in Rocky Four, but you know, maybe late 30s. Yeah. <laughs> which, you know, for a boxer. Sure. He's not even trying to win the fight. He's just looking for the publicity and he's kind of just trusting that like, okay, I might get a little, you know, beat up. I might even lose, but hey, like I'm back in the spotlight. I mean, during the match, he acknowledges that he might not survive it. Yeah. He's like, I have to do this. Yeah. He says, don't throw in the towel no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in terms of like crafting a stronger movie and a more character based story and something that that is much more focused on what motivates us to do things, what motivates us to do things that other people would say, why the hell are you doing that? That is so much more central. And it even you even get a little bit more of that on Drago's side. Yes. The first like press conference was that new? I 
or was that expanded? I can't it was rem- expanded. It was expanded, yeah. Because I feel like I saw a little bit more in Dolph Lundgren that I didn't remember before. And because um, uh, certainly there was the the press conference before the, you know, the actual like Rocky fight. But right. The one with with yeah. Paul. I'm the uh, unsilent yeah. majority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. I love love yeah. Polly. Sorry that some of his stuff got cut out. I kind of understand it. He doesn't get his robot. I I also will say my favorite part got cut, and what? that's when uh, Rocky is fighting Drago, and his son is back in the states watching it with his two friends, and he goes, "That's my dad." And his friends go, "We well, you know what do you think we are nerds or whatever." <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine that they would have kept that in had the robot not been like in the shot prominently featured yeah yeah because i love that i love that moment you know we do get the scene with rocky and his son where he's like in in his son's bedroom and he's kind of telling him like you know people are going to tell you not to do something but sometimes you just know yourself and you have to do it for yourself and you just got to be true to you and uh you know i guess that's where we get the like the moment with the kid but i feel like we needed more with the kid yeah we lose a lot of the kid there Oh, yeah. I also I felt like also this might have been retrofitted. The movie might have been retrofitted for audiences getting into Rocky through Creed uh-huh. and not necessarily because I also think for Rocky four, you need to understand a lot of the choices made for the theatrical cut. You need to understand like 1985 <laughs> and true just like the vibe of that well, of that time. Along those lines, I would say that they maybe should have put in a little bit more about what United States and Soviet Union relations were like and to kind of give a little bit more context for people who are maybe just getting into it, who maybe were born after that time. Uh, have have just maybe some more like even through just like some archive news news footage playing I, in the background. I understand even. that. Yes, it. It would be tough to do something that they they didn't shoot, you know. But what well, I would also, it, what oh, I would ahead, have liked to have seen was something that gave a little bit more context of like why is this a big deal, right? Which I'm saying like it would not be a Rocky movie to add like you know some some titles at the beginning, sure. To, to you know some just some some text with you know uh, a nineteen circa nineteen eighty five war games looking map of the world. And, be like you know the United States and the Soviet Union, but were... they couldn't have started it that way because they were starting it still in the middle of Rocky Three. Of Rocky know, it's, Three, it's right the middle of Rocky Three. It's before the big fight that this one starts yeah. at, where he goes to. So the So if statue. you've never seen Rocky Three, you just watch the director's cut of Rocky Four, and all you're missing is like the stuff with Hulk Hogan at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, you're you're missing you're missing a lot. You're you're missing one of my favorite scenes from the franchise, Mick, Mickey's funeral, when because you get to hear Stallone speak Hebrew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You find out that Mickey's Jewish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gold Gold Mill, Mickey Gold, gold Mill. Mill. Yeah, yeah. This is, I think, it's more focused. But like, you have a lot of like, even when Apollo's in his pool and he sees Drago on the TV, I feel like you've got the technology where you could have in in scenes you know backgrounds of like you know peter jennings on the news yeah being like and the soviet union tested another you know right uh, you know the pentagon is calling for it. you absolutely could have done something there i 
I did. I do. I do love that scene where he's just in the pool playing with his dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, a few. So a few other things that are different. Uh, Apollo's funeral is longer, and you get to hear Duke's eulogy. Right. Yeah. 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 You get more which Duke I was glad about. You got more Duke yes. because when I was watching Rocky Four the other day, I was like, I wish that I could see more of him, understand more about him. And you know what it is, and among among other things, among other like this is a character who's in like all these movies, and yeah. you're just like, all right, his emotion during the Creed Drago fight, yeah. Well, and this was in the original cut, but when they're at the cabin in the Soviet Union, and Duke is explaining to Rocky, it's like you know he was like my son, and, right. and yeah. that was in the original, and I do feel like that resonated more having heard his eulogy and and it, that did help i did appreciate it that. made a lot more made a lot more sense so i thought that was really interesting um uh drago's post-match interview after the fight with creed i feel like that was there was more right to I, that what did he what did he say in that one i forget i, forget I think that it was more of just like uh that's i didn't want to do this one anyway that's not what i was here for i was here for right that right right guy. i came for that i want to i'll like talk to me after i fight a champion yeah exactly yeah which i think becomes more clear about like the motivations for for drago and uh, the annoyance of having to fight apollo where it's just like, right. oh, geez, fine. Okay. Well, that's the thing is like, and it's 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 funny because Drago doesn't have he's he's really not motivated because he's got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Other so other scenes that we got added in there, an interesting scene with Rocky meeting with the boxing commission. Because I yes. feel like it's always kind of like brushed over the fact that like Rocky ha- like gives up the championship yeah. to fight Drago because the commission won't sanction the match and i i I feel like i never really got that from rocky four i never really cared yeah it makes a lot more sense montages rocky four has two montages they are both still in they're both still in okay so there's there's clearly the training montage in russia there's also the like driving the lamborghini and thinking about all of the subsequent movies the flashback all montage. of the flashback stuff right. yeah shows you all of rocky 3 that you didn't get at the beginning yeah i know it's wild uh but it you know it goes back to the first rocky and you oh, know yeah. him meeting, because it's kind of like the the battle that he's having internally of just like do i go with my gut and, you know, fight because I need to fight and because Apollo is my best friend and everything. Or there's Adrian, who is really begging me to not do this and pleading with me and thinking about his relationship with her and his internal struggle. Although that montage comes right after he has already told Adrian, he's like, I'm doing this. I've made up my mind. But, has, but you know, I guess, yeah, he's... Also, he's, he's, there are so many shots of him just like getting into and starting his car that it's like, hurry it up, dude. Have your inner monologue turmoil situation already. Yeah, there were there. I I feel like there were a few times where I uh, like initially thought he was getting out of the car, but then he gets into the car. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wait a second. Oh, you're going out. Yeah, you didn't just get get home. It, it was like the. Well, also, it's oh, like God, it yeah. makes it seem like he's about to like drive to the airport. But then the next thing, it's like he's back at home in the morning talking to his son. Right. No. Well, I think in in previous movies we've seen that like he does drive around to to clear his head or throw his helmet at statues. Yes, and that's true. We, we that get is, that in the beginning. That yeah. is a very standard thing. 
Also in the new director's cut, we remember, of course, the part where where Drago says, like, you know, he's like a piece of iron or whatever. But did they add in the like he's not a man, he's a beast? No, that's that's that was in, in the original. Yeah. Because I only he, really remember him saying like he's like iron. The, the, I don't I don't remember no because they cut back they cut back and forth yeah. from Duke saying like you know he's not a machine he's not a machine yeah. he's human and, he's, he's like, he's and then machine. they cut to the other side being like you know he's a machine he's got to be I think that it's just that I just only remembered the and I was like looking for like what's different what's different so I think I was just watching it differently at some points it was really easy to spot and then there were a few things where I was like is that did that is that I also I, I didn't watch the theatrical cut oh okay like as recently I've seen it enough where I felt pretty confident going to the director's cut. Like, all right, I'm going to know if something's really like, I might not recognize if something's recut though. I noticed the boxing matches, they felt recut. Oh yeah. They definitely were recut. It felt more like current combat sport influenced. Uh, maybe like a lot of the, like some, I don't know. Maybe I'm just imagining that. I also feel like the, there was something different about uh, you. We touched upon it earlier, but the James Brown sequence, there was something that felt also different about the shots where we had like James Brown and Apollo rather than the cutbacks to like Rocky. But I don't know. Yeah. If you play yeah. them side by side, I'm sure you'll see plenty, plenty of differences. Right. Um, it also seems like there was more of a buildup in the new cut before the song starts of Drago, like by himself or like being left alone. Oh, that seemed a little bit extended to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, I felt the same way. Him noticing what's going on in the fanfare of all of the, you know, pro America stuff. I will say, and before, um, you know, my, my final, and then hearing what, what we had to say. You know, Well, I'm just going to say, I, I don't think that we should go back to hearing what we were going to say. Cause it's all about Creed two. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. Also because yeah, I guess did did we even know at this point that Stallone was no. going to do? I feel like that was a pandemic era announcement. That's no, but gonna... we have, but we have on this podcast for other episodes had the idea of just like I'd like to see a recut of this where this happens and that happens, and you know, I mean, I have to say like this re this recut is absolutely if you're a fan of of the original, totally worth seeing this is not just like oh they added this in or that it is a different movie yeah in in many in many ways it's a it's it's really a full revision of the movie yes that maybe show you know shows some hindsight and some desire to update the film to make it less of a 1985 time capsule, which I also feel there's like still pe- plenty of that, which uh, there's still plenty of it, but also like the original, it, it's not like what, this is not like the special editions where it's, you know, you have to go on the black market to get a Blu-ray of the th- original theatrical cut of star Wars. Oh yeah. But I really appreciate each of the films and I appreciate them on their own. And I think that whereas you know, Rocky four has always been one of my favorites in the Rocky oh, yeah. franchise. I think this director's cut 
is also is kind of in there in that same spot as hmm. but just for for some slightly different reasons many reasons the same Dolph Lundgren and Brigitte Nielsen and the setup of them is you know magnificent and you know Drago I think you know, I mean I don't know I guess I was about to say Drago is Rocky's most uh, iconic opponent though I would say Apollo probably it, yeah I'd I'd say they're both kind of up pretty high only uh compared to himself <laughs> His greatest That's, opponent. Well, the it's the only opponent he's faced in all of his movies. Yeah. Uh, except for in Creed 2 when his greatest opponent is cancer. Yeah. Yeah. True. And again, Drago. <laughs> and, and also Drago. Although they kind of are just like, hey, hey. Kids, right? <laughs> but Dolph Lundgren, you know, watching watching it again, man, he's so good. He, You get lost in the character and you forget that it's an actor playing it, I feel. He's right. really that good. Although, although it just, it kind of tickles me that, you know, in the movie, he's just, he's this paragon of Soviet accomplishment and science and virtue. And at a certain point, I just want him to go, fuck this shit. I'm Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I, I feel like it's, uh, it was really fun to watch the original and then the director's cut. And I'm always happy to revisit the Rocky movies. The Rocky movies, but Ro- I would say Rocky for... Yeah, and I'm you know if if you're a, if you're a fan as well and you've checked out Rocky versus Drago the director's cut, what did you think? What did you did you miss the robot? Uh, tell us, email us at ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail dot com. Also, don't forget to check out our link tree. Um, that's yeah, our it's... Instagram bio because we want to sell some of those movie journals. Buy my book. Yes. By John. Yes. <laughs> no. John has made for you a year, a journal, a way to capture a year of movie going, not necessarily um, a um, a year's worth of movie going. 365 pages. But you are not committing to a movie this, a day for an entire no, year. You could. You can make it a challenge. This is also for those who letterboxed is great. I love it. But let's say you want to have something on your shelf. This is perfect for that. But we also have a fantastic Tee Public store where you can buy other merch from us. Uh, it goes a really long way to help us keep the show going, and it's much appreciated. I feel like what a fun conversation starter that would be to have out on like a coffee table if you're having sure. guests and they flip it open. And, you know, for example, they're like, Dan, what the hell? You didn't like, you really dislike Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, we got to talk about that. <laughs> We should talk about Napoleon Dynamite sometime. You know, someone made a Napoleon D- Dynamite reference recently. And, you know, some, sometimes, uh, you know, and usually what I'll do is, uh, okay, fight the urge to be like, why do you like that movie? And just kind of go along with it and be like, yeah, man, tater tots. Am I right? Yeah. So, Dan, let's tell everybody what we're going to talk about on our next episode of Ruined Childhoods. So we will be revisiting our Fletch episode talking about 2022's Confess Fletch, the Fletch reboot uh, directed by Greg Matola and starring John Hamm. Yeah, so um, we recorded our, our our Fletch episode on, I think it was May 25th, 2021. Uh, let me verify that one really quick. And this was, I, I want to say at the time there was the conversation going on about, or, or we knew that it was going to be coming out. Yeah, Fletch. Uh, May 25th, 2021. Um, So clearly we didn't do the May the 4th in 2021. 
No, theme. this this and Confess yeah. Fletch won't even be the fourth uh, Fletch movie. That's correct. Yeah, so uh, I'm really excited. I I'm looking forward to checking back in with Confess Fletch because that I I loved it the first time. So we'll, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be checking out uh, and we, and we'll be re- revisiting some other odds and ends. I'm hoping perhaps to get an opportunity to play um, the video game Vertigo. <laughs> Oh, is there a Vertigo video video game? Vertigo video yeah, game? Yeah, well, it's it's called Vertigo, but it's kind of like I I think it's kind of a mishmash of of Hitchcock. Like I think like the the person you're playing as is kind of like your stereotypical Jimmy Stewart, Cary Grant Got character. It. Yeah, uh, you're uh, a Hitchcock I, dude. I think we talked about. I I think when we did the episode, uh, our Vertigo episode, it was like. Um, soon to be released or had just been released. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we're going to, you know, in addition anyway. to Confess Fletch, we'll talk about just, just updates about some of the other ones that we've, that we've discussed. There's been a lot of, there've been a lot of other movies that we've covered where they're, we're like on the verge of new things coming out or yeah. um, just, just little news bits. Other about Other things them. have been discussed. Other things yeah. have been thrown about, bandied about since we last discussed yeah. them. Well, Dan, as you uh, as you travel out to 1985 Soviet Russia, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. <laughs>